Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special holiday edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. <laughs> Go for it. I'm snuggled up next to a smoldering Yule log with a hot cup of cocoa and Bob Ryer. Well, how do you do? <laughs> I, I don't know how we managed that. I guess you got one of those Seth Brundle matter transporters. I, I'm, you know, hopefully I don't turn into some giant melting insect man. <laughs> and, anyway... Join- Joey Brachino's over there on the uh, bearskin rug. How you doing there, Joey? Oh, I'm celebrating uh, winter solstice today by being naked. <laughs> and Melissa Megan, we'll go. To, we're gonna go back to that. Melissa Megan is hanging uh, stockings by the chimney with care. How you doing? What up? I was Whoa. about to ask Joey if he was wearing a shirt, but I thought it'd be inappropriate. But then he went all naked with it. Yeah. Do you have yes. like just a bow tied to it? No. <laughs> I oh, have a, a bow, B-O-U-G-H, like a tree bow around, Whoa. <laughs> around my, 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 my back. What's your I favorite? Think, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Melissa. I, I think this is because Joey's been reading so much Wicked and Divine because I just picked up that holiday version, that holiday edition of Wicked and Divine, and it is like nothing but penis in that. Nothing but pee <laughs> all Oops. day. Shaft's out. Is all over the place. It's like page three. Shaft City. Shaft City. This is yeah. the naughty Christmas edition. This is the naughty Christmas edition. I was going to say, this is on the naughty list. Smoldering. Yeah. We're all smoldering tonight. We are roaring. Roaring and smoldering. Good uh, roaring. So here's the deal. Why are we Arr. coming at you? Are you a pirate all of a sudden? It's Christmas. Yar, it's Christmas Yarr. Day. Now, if this is the flying spaghetti monster of Christmas, dressing like a pirate, completely appropriate. What does he sound like, the flying spaghetti monster? He's like, woo, 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 woo. Sure, because he's a pastafarian. <laughs> the reason that we even have this podcast today is because we just you wanted to get something. <laughs> I did. I did yes. recommend it because I wanted to give uh, our listeners a little something extra on this holiday of holidays. Uh, however you choose to celebrate the holiday season, we wish you all well. Hope that you're safe. Hope that you're warm and that you're hanging out with some loved ones. We are going to talk to you a little bit about comics, and we're also going to give you a uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, this this tiny-ass little nothing movie that they made on like a shoestring budget that came out last week. Uh, there will be no, I repeat, there will be no non-spoiler section. What? It's going to be like an hour-long podcast. We're just going to get right into it. Mm-hmm. So, barely be warned, says I. Darth Vader is Luke's father. Oh, God. Uh... So, is everybody, uh, has everybody enjoying their Christmas? <laughs> Today yeah. is my first official day of holiday break. Nice. So, hey. Cheers. 
And yeah. you've been working your ass off, too. I have been. I heard about that. The holidays are rough in the salon. <laughs> Ooh, I can imagine. Everybody getting their Christmas hair done. Yeah, it's just like a, it's just like a daily panic mode. Ugh. But I got a lot of wine. So yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's perfect. Thanks, everybody. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> do you have Fancy. one open in front of you as we speak? I do. I'm I'm on I'm on wine number two tonight. Excellent. That is a. I, I'm always up for recommendations. What do you got? I don't remember. It's upstairs. Oh, it's a good <laughs> one. Must be, must be pretty good then. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's do this. We're 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 burning burning Yule log over here. Let's uh, what do we want to do first? Let's talk. Let's talk about a couple books. Let's just go around and uh, see if we can't mention a couple things that we've been reading over the past few weeks. I would like Joey to start. Okay, sorry, I had to pull up the book. Um, so I read the Wicked and Divine Holiday Special uh, that Melissa brought up before with all the, the penises in it. Uh, it was great. <laughs> um, it was like, happy holidays, penis. Uh, <laughs> really um, it was pretty hot. It was yeah, pretty hot. It fills in the gaps. Whose was it? Whose oh, penis was it? Okay, uh, it was... Uh, well, let me put it this way. There's a couple of them, right? There's a lot, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of, just a lot, there's a lot of action. Um, it's basically like, it fills in the gaps of a lot of the romances and storylines oh. that, that came up in the first 20, 30 issues of the, the main series. Um, you know, relationships like Ball and Inara <laughs> and... Um, see his? Um, and <laughs> Spoilers! Is it just like a walking stick? Like a was that meant to be a pun? Was that a was that a purposeful pun? Oh gosh, this so. is awful. <laughs> um, Go ahead, Joey. Keep going. Keep going. And, I want to hear more about it, this. You also learn a lot about uh, Lucifer as well, who obviously um, gets taken out of the book early on. I yeah, I was Mira. pretty pretty bummed by that. But uh, we get a little bit, just a little bit of background on her too, which is which is pretty awesome. It's always fun. I always like these one shots. They always fill in the gaps. They're always cool, and you love the characters, so it was it was really fun. It was not the holiday special that I thought it was going to be, which was like yeah, the Campion celebrating like like the the pagan holidays of their godships. <laughs> no, but it was just like penis and sexy time, and I was like, okay. Um, the other book I read was um, <laughs> Assassinistas from Ooh. IDW. Um, I almost got that. Tell me about it. It, it was awesome. Okay, so it's, I, we, I brought it up a few months ago when the uh, that Black Crown Pub Quarterly came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of that new Shelley Bond imprint over at IDW that I talked about on our best of show this week, uh, despite not actually nominating IDW. I don't know why that happened. Anyway, um, uh, this one's by Tini Howard and Gilbert Hernandez. It's basically like, it's like Kill Bill meets, um, something with mercenaries doing assassinations uh it's like this grindhouse grindhouse comic it's really cool so you got our three characters um charlotte octavia and rosalind and they are these assassinistas and uh that was then and now they are semi-retired charlotte has a family octavia has a kid in college and she's struggling to pay tuition and we don't know where roz is 
So balancing that, like, then and now, how cool they used to be as these assassinistas and what their life is like now, um, it's very interesting, very cool. And obviously, Gilbert Hernandez is just, like, one of the best in the business. Uh, so it's really cool to see his work uh, as well mixed with Teeny Howard's story. So, yeah, assassinistas was really cool. I'm really digging this Black Crown Pub stuff. Um, combine that with Kid Lobotomy we read a couple of weeks ago, too. Like... Some really cool stuff coming out of that corner of IDW. Um, but yeah, that's really all I've been able to read uh, over the last few weeks. I still have to, you know, really dig deep into all the nomination stuff. Um, but yeah, that, that's me. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much. That Assassinista sounds really cool. It's yeah. really cool. Nice. Okay, let's go around the room, spin it around. Uh, it lands on Melissa. Yo, I'm still Yo, let's get some energy Yo. up in here. Wick, wicked and Divine filling in all the gaps. <laughs> filling in the yeah, gaps. That's the pun? It. Is that the pun you were talking about? That's the pun I was talking about. Oh, now, now that you say it. Now <laughs> oh, now I see it. what you did they there. They were filling in the gaps. This is the I don't think I've ever seen so many gaps filled in oh, in a comic book before. Wow. I don't. I, seriously, jo- how long has been Joey been telling me to go back and read Wicked and the Vine? And this is the one that I decided to pick up. And I was like, <laughs> whoa. No wonder he's having such a good time with this book. Um, I, I might as well, like, you know what, before we move on to Melissa, I, I might as well jump in now. I've actually uh, been rereading all of the Wicked and the Divine mm-hmm. for the the awards show. And uh, I'm up to like issue 31. <gasps> Yeah, dude, I'm 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 getting there. I'm like right there, so I'm near near in the finish line. I'm just about to crack the second hardcover, Joey. So we're getting there. Oh boy! Yeah. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! There's some really good stuff in there. I mean, we'll talk about it a lot more when we do the award show, but it's been a hell of a ride to to say the least. Going back to the beginning and and learning all about the characters again, and just kind of staying in that world and taking it all in. It's really incredible. They've 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 crafted something uh, pretty timeless with that series. Like once that thing is all said and done, that's going to be a hell of a collection for the ages. One more year. Yeah. Is that it? They actually have a plan. It's going to be over next year. Yeah. Oh, <sighs> let me ask you something. Since you're reading yes. the hardcovers, um, yeah. Are the collected? Are you reading collected or single issues? I'm I have I've read the two hardcovers okay. and now I'm reading the trades and digital single issues. So you don't get the like letters that Gillen writes every issue, right? He writes a no, little note I to don't, fans no. every issue. Well, that okay. I don't believe so. Okay, so so in this last one, he 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 writes a he writes a note after at the end of every issue to everybody, um, and in the last one he says, you know, we are about to enter our last year. With Wicked and the Divine. So we're, we're nearing the finish line um, very rapidly. Wow. Mm-hmm. Damn. All right. Anyway, super enjoying it. I'm sure that we'll be talking about it plenty when we when we come to the awards show. No doubt. Melissa. Yay. <laughs> I'm here. All right. <laughs> Um, so I read a few things, uh, just basically in the past three days, cause we figured out we we're going to write this show. So, um, uh, but there's two things that I really thought were fun. Um, curse words, holiday special, <laughs> which I, I must admit, I've never read a single issue of curse words until now. Um, 
I picked this up and I was like, oh, this looks fun and weird. So I'll read this. Um, it's by Charles Charles Soul and the art is by uh, Mike Norton uh, oh. with, with covers by Ryan Brown. Yeah, I've never read Curse Words before. I had no idea what I was in for. And this is the weirdest freaking book I've read in a long time. Um, <laughs> and that's saying a lot because I read a lot of weird books. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, it's I guess. So this is going to sound weird because I, I'm just realizing that there's there's like two volumes of this out. So I'm going to go back and start reading this book now because I want to know wow. more about these characters. Yeah, uh, it's a uh, place called the whole world spelled H-O-L-E. Um, and you've got all kinds of weird characters here. Uh, wizard, um, all kinds of magical weird. I don't even know what the hell these people are. They're weird. Uh, all kinds of strange things. And they're celebrating a holiday called the meat meat <laughs> which is m-e-a-t-m-e-e-t oh okay. the meat meat and and it gets meaty real quick like i again i'm sure there's people listening to this who have been reading this book so they're familiar with these characters i don't know these characters but there's some kind of creepy looking santa creature that rolls up with like a bag full of random parts of meat from different creatures and things that he's collected dumps it on the floor and then um this cool looking fairy woman sort of thing uh starts doing magic on them and puts them together and creates some kind of weird thing out of it a living creature out of it um that she names jane uh yeah and they and they basically the idea of this holiday is i guess they they bring this thing to life all these weird magic people and um, they send it out into the wild. And it's this insane looking creature with like giant four giant eyeballs and spots all over it and wings and like weird insect legs and long hair and antlers. It's really strange. They send it out into the world and then they, uh, the game is that they all have to go out and hunt this thing down and catch it. And Aww. yeah. <laughs> This is really messed up. This is a really messed up sad game. (laughs) Um, let's see. And whoever gets to whoever finds her gets something called the meat meat seat, and gets to sit next to the king and gain his favor. Um, so you have all these weird magic creatures that are out hunting this um this thing, and they find it, and uh, and then they have to go back to the castle and hang with the big guy, and they all get rewards and. This is just the weirdest fucking book I've ever read. And it's it's so a holiday weird. special it's a because holiday special. <laughs> I I guess it's their holiday. I guess Meet okay, Meat is their holiday. Is, yeah. yeah, it's their holiday. Like they're all wearing the funny thing is all these weird people are wearing um the king especially is wearing like his ugly sweater, like his ugly <laughs> holiday sweater. <laughs> oh, um so and and they you know, Jane ends up kind of being like holiday dinner feast. Um, it's just, yeah, it's really, it's really, really strange. It's really hard to explain this book, but it's, it's so fun that I'm definitely going to go back and read curse words now because I don't know these characters, but they, they've got my attention. They're really crazy. I mean, it's complete insanity and the artwork is insane too. It's just like, it's just color everywhere and like weird. The panels are kind of in these like zigzag shaped things all over the place. It's, it's complete insanity. 
And Mike Norton's usually very detailed too. Is that the same here? It is. It's it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's not. Uh, I say gorgeous very loosely. It's not. It's not pretty artwork. It's very messy. A lot of like goo and guts and weird stuff going on. Um, nice. Yeah, but but it's super fun. Um, and yeah, there's obviously these characters like obviously have just tons of personality. So I want to know more about these people. I don't know what I don't know what whole world is, but I want to know now. <laughs> <laughs> I actually picked up the uh, first trade of that during I think the Black Friday sales and stuff. I haven't read it yet, but it sounds pretty pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous, but it's also tons of fun. So and you know I don't read a lot of fun stuff. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun um, stuff with goo so that's a good yeah thing. so speaking of not fun the other thing i read was coyotes number two <laughs> mm-hmm. which is not fun but it's one of the most incredible books i've read in many years like i think i'm so in love with this book i'm so in love with this book um i think joey especially like you need to be reading this uh, this is just this book is just beautiful it's beautiful and i spoke about it i don't remember it's been a couple episodes since i've been on now i think um but i spoke about coyotes number one um when i read that when it came out and um it's by stories by sean lewis the art and covers by caitlin yarsky um and it's a story of uh of coyotes who are hunting uh girls in this town and um there's a young girl that goes by the name red and she um, finds her way. Her her older sister is hunted by these coyotes and traumatically. And she finds her way to um, a group called Lady the Lady Victorias, which are these women who are sort of hiding out in a train station. Um, and they kind of they party and they have fun um, to to not let the fear of the coyotes bring them down and to kind of like prove that they're you know, they're enjoying life no matter what. Um, and then they, they go out and they try to, uh, save other women and be badasses generally. Um, but it's, uh, in, in, in issue number two, if you guys are reading this, um, red, uh, uh, there's an officer who is trying to solve, um, a murder. He finds a bunch of, uh, a bunch, I think that's how issue number one starts out. He finds a bunch of, uh, a room full of people that have been, brutally murdered and he's trying to work on this case and that brings him to red our little tiny assassin and um he meets the coyotes for the first time and the coyotes are are men basically and this is not a spoiler because this is cleared up i think pretty early in issue number one these coyotes are men who are being like transformed somehow with the um this with bits of skin from some kind of magical werewolf um and i don't know who the bad guys are that are behind this but they're essentially like doing this on purpose to have these men like hunt down women um there's a big theme going on in this book (laughs) yeah if you can't figure that out right now there's a big theme going on this book of uh of predatory behavior of uh of women um kind of trying to uh assert themselves and and hold on to their power um in a in a place where they're being brutally taken apart um this book is so powerful i just love it so much it's packed full of culture there's like all these women in this group that are from kind of different places they're all in the southwest you know there's some of these women who are obviously came from like 
Native American groups. There's some of these women here who um, seem to be from um, Mexican backgrounds. Um, lots of lots of culture in here. Um, lots of really in- really interesting characters. All the women in this group are just like I just want to know all of their stories. Um, and the artwork is just like blows me away. This artwork is absolutely beautiful. Um, After all that, you have to give us all the particulars. What company? Oh, um, it's Image. Okay, and by? By um, the, what do you mean by? Writer, writer, author. Oh, sorry, I thought I said that already. Um, the It's written by Sean Lewis, and the okay. um, the art and covers are by Caitlin Yarsky. Gotcha. I just only... want to throw it in there one more time. There yeah, was... no, it's only on issue number two, but seriously, guys, I'm totally in love with this series. <laughs> like, I am absolutely in love yeah. with this book. <laughs> Um, it, it's it's like it's brutal, it's gorgeous, and it's it's like there's so much weight behind this story. I just I mm. love it so much. Yeah, it sounds very important and a lot of fun too. And sometimes you guys have those to read things... this. Yeah, I've I... read it. I've read it. It's kind of hard to talk about it after you talked about it though. <laughs> I read the first issue too, and I really enjoyed it. But you just have this like passion that I just can't match right now. Yeah, there's no. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the first issue I read, I thought, man, this thing just gets me fired up. And the second one is it. not I like it. it hasn't slowed down a bit. That's awesome. All right. That's awesome. I'm Glad to know you're enjoying it. it. Definitely going to pick it up. That, yep. I, I just want to say before you move on from this, OK, if you guys don't believe me, <laughs> the issue number two of this of this book, the cover has a picture of one of these young girls and she's holding up the head of a murdered coyote, the dismembered head, and she's got his eyeball pulled out of his socket, and she's holding it in front of her eye with a big smile on her face. <laughs> like, it's an incredible, yeah. it's an incredible Tell cover. <laughs> Tell your friends. Tell your friends. It's incredible. <laughs> Read it to your children. Yeah. Very cool. That's good. It's always, it's always nice to have a new book to get super duper excited about. That's awesome. Yes. Very, very, very cool. Putting many stars next to the title. I will be checking that out too. It's cool. It's cool. It's definitely. It's. It's got. It's got a lot of cool ideas going for it. Uh, from what. Uh, from what I gleaned from when I read it. Okay, uh, Bob. Why don't you regale us with uh, a few comic tales? Okay. I'll be quick because we are trying to be quick. Paper Girl sixteen. Uh, holy cow! This issue is completely action packed and so dense with. Plot details that go back to the beginning of this series as it all starts to pull together. And a cliffhanger that is just one of the best they've done. And that's pretty amazing, you know, uh, 18 issues into this. Batman 36 continues the great Tom King run. Clayman on art. It's an exploration of the Batman-Superman relationship. And... Batman 37 will have a double date between Bruce and Selina and Clark and Lois. And that's all I need to say about that. I think <laughs> just, just so much fun. Did you read this one, Steve? 36. I, yeah, I, I thought it was amazing that that run has just been so, so good. I loved the kind of the, the, the mirroring, but different angles of respect coming from yeah. both of the heroes about Batman talking about Superman and vice versa. Some really, really, heartfelt stuff in there and and kind of breaking breaking down of superheroes the kind that i really like and both of them knowing how they've been on opposite ends for so many years and whatever having them have this kind of like 
silent mutual respect for one another at this private part of them that just really holds the other in such high regard was really touching and really cool. Yeah, my, and, my uh, favorite, a favorite that they're they're about to meet the four of them, and so there's this this page where it's eight eight panels, you know, four aside, Batman and Selina on one side, Superman, Lois on the other, and as we get to the final panel, of course, Selina and Bruce are in the elevator shaft, Clark and Lois are in the elevator, and each each of them say, meaning Bruce and Clark, he's a better man than I am. Yeah. That's that's great stuff. That is that's how you do those characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's a really it's a really nice love letter to both of those characters for sure. Yeah, and next issue is the double date, which I can't wait. Yeah, it apparently yeah. takes place at some sort of cosplay convention. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think I saw something like a whole bunch of uh, Mister Miracles show. Yeah, there's, there's a whole preview it's somewhere around. I saw like, it a, like a like a Mister Miracle flash mob or something. Absolutely. Uh, gonna jump in quickly. I read the first issue of the new Barbarella from Dynamite by Mike Carey Ooh. and Keenan Urar. It is mature audiences. Uh, it is the cheeky fun of the Jean Claude Forrest originals, which I did not read in the 60s. I did see the movie, but read the recent uh, retranslation reissues of those from Humanoids Press that Kelly Sue DeConnick did, and they're certainly a lot of fun. And Barbarella's need to be her own person is so relevant again. It's just coming out at a perfect spot. In this particular issue, she's accused of being what they describe here in the book, a bioterrorist, because she's dared to come on the ship with a certain part of her anatomy that they're not allowing anymore because women need to be sort of kept in their place. <laughs> and she's not happy with that. And so a revolution breaks out again. This is, if it was on the internet, it would be a not safe for work book, but I got to tell you the art by uh, Keenan Urar is absolutely gorgeous and a very sort of Eon flux crossed with Mike Del Mundo way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some good stuff going on here. I don't know where the series is going to go, but one issue in, it was pretty cool. Are you going to continue with it? I'm definitely going to go for a couple more issues and see where the story leads, because there's a great cliffhanger at the end of this issue. Now, how how lewd is it on a scale of one to Wicked and Divine Christmas Special? <laughs> um, well, it is, it, it's an issue filled with a women's prison so it's mostly ladies so we don't have the penis issue ah um but considering all that it is not told through a completely male gaze i'm not going to say that some it's not there because you, you it's how it's going to be received mm-hmm. but the political nature of what's going on in the storyline brings it to somewhere a little different all right hey listen not all booby books are bad I've, i I've... right I tried, and yeah, you're right. Hey, look, there, there's stuff like Sunstone. The the Colleen Coover collection yes. was wonderful. There's all kinds of good stuff out there. Right. Uh, to the other side of the spectrum, uh, and very quickly, the legacy storyline begins in issue 27 for the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, which is titled The Forbidden Pla-Nut. Um... Multiple realities, oddball things, and Doreen finds herself that she has to 
team up with Loki to try to get to another planet to save Nancy and Tippy from a planet of squirrels that are about to be eaten by Galactus, maybe. <laughs> uh, it's, it's hysterical. It's a book that, considering some of what's gone on uh, yesterday and today with Marvel Comics that we're going to talk about a little later, it's a book that needs to be supported yeah. a lot. As sadly, Hawkeye number 13, which I will, will finish my talk with, was one of the best issues in the series. Kelly Thompson, Leonardo Romero, and the unbeatable Jordi Belair. We have Clint and Kate together again doing some investigating and their murderous assassins and stuff going on. Again, lots of ties to all their history. Brilliant book. Brilliantly done. Stupendous. Read it. Except it's too late for you folks who didn't read it. <laughs> and why is that, Bob? Because Marvel announced late yesterday that they are canceling, with March sort of in mind, uh, two different Gwenpool books, Captain Marvel, which may or may not come back after Infinity, Defenders, Luke Cage, America, Hawkeye, Iceman, Generation X, and, of course, Jane Foster dies somewhere in March. For the the record, Margie Stoll did come out and say that Captain Marvel isn't going anywhere and they still are working on things after March. It may either be a gap in the schedule or, more likely, is a relaunch for the film release. Which the film doesn't come out until 2019 for some (laughs) stupid reason. Well, I understand that, but like... Basically what I'm saying is Captain Marvel isn't on the cutting block but the rest are and it's still very upsetting <laughs> yes uh and i was in my local comic store today and some of this came out and well they're all the lower selling titles anyway who cares how is it we were talking about squirrel girl earlier how is it that squirrel girl has made it not that it's it's a quality book that's not what i'm saying how is it that that little book has stuck around through so many cuts Young audiences, young readers. Yeah, right. Young That's audience. Right. Eisner Eisner Award helps. Young readers. It's true. The the graphic novels are, sell very well. Awesome. The, the young adult novel sold well was a bestseller in that category. Very cool. It's not so the it's, same it's, for it, a book like Hawkeye or Luke Cage or America, which are you know your T your T plus books. Mm-hmm. Which in some cases shouldn't be. That's one of the things that that hamstrings Moon Girl. Which, it's only the fact that the Scholastic books on that sell tremendously and the trades sell very well also, that keep it above the board. Even though sales-wise, again, these are low-selling books. There's no question if all you're doing is the, the raw numbers. The problem with that is, is those 10,000, 12,000 people who are reading Hawkeye or America or Luke Cage are not instantly going to transfer their allegiance as Marvel zombies to Deadpool or the Punisher. That's not how this works. This is a new readership that as a business model would be a great thing to cultivate as the indie books, as Image and Boom and Dark Horse have found great profit in selling eight to nine thousand copies of a book to a new and pure audience. <laughs> Bob. Oh my. 
Sorry. Every is that Santa Claus again? No, that's that's the <laughs> cops outside my apartment. They're coming for me. <laughs> well, here's the thing, and you know we talk about it on the show too a lot about this, the 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 sales and and bringing in new audiences and things like that. And I mean, look, like the nine thousand readers, ten thousand readers on Hawkeye are not going to jump over to Avengers. They're not going to jump over to x-men they're not going to do that okay um now why is that i don't know i don't know if that's i don't know if that's the the current model of publishing is not sustainable like that's the bottom line drug market all that crazy stuff it's just not it's not who are we marketing to i saw a great thing today on the interwebs i think it was alex de campy posted it and she was talking about like uh the reason why independent studios, studios, independent publishers like Boom and Image, etc., are doing so well, and there's it's because of the diversity of the line. It's because of marketing books to all types of readers, whereas the big two is solely focused on telling one kind of story. And anything that comes, and anything different from that, like a Hawkeye or like a Young Avengers when Gillen and McElvey were doing it, Wicked and Divine, um, or Luke Cage <laughs> or anything like that, those are niche books. For a niche audience that is not intended to be cultivated beyond that book. Here's it's almost like here's that book for that crowd, right? And once that book is gone, that crowd is going to go read something else. There's no, there's no, there's nothing for them to go to right. when Hawkeye that, is canceled, right? Right. And now, when Marvel then in, eliminates all the books that are in that niche exactly right and i just because if you if you go ahead joe well i just feel like you know it's 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 why aren't people reading these books especially given the critical acclaim especially given how good they are as just as stories you know as people who read these books you know we can say like these are books are amazing hawkeye's getting a, a thousand nominations on our nomination show because it is fantastic um but it's not selling. And at the end of the day, you know, these, these Marvel is, is a company trying to make money, right? The reason why it's not making money off of Hawkeye, I think, is due to multiple factors. And I think one of them is that it's not something that they are rallying behind. They've been rallying behind Miss Marvel and Squirrel Girl. And look what happened. You know, like those books are still here and they are still kicking. Um, and and Hawkeye's always been this like a tiny little thing. Luke Cage, David F. Walker, you know, like, yeah, you got mm-hmm. the Netflix buzz, but. That, that fades quickly. That fades that kind of stuff. very, very quickly, you know. Yep. Um, on to the new thing. And if they're going to put 100 books on the stands, then they're going to cut what they cut. Now, look. We were critical of Axel Alonso. We can be critical of Axel Alonso as much as we want, but at the end of the day, his five, six years in, as editor-in-chief, he kept a lot of those books around, despite not necessarily, you know, also doing insane events and pushing and pushing and pushing and trying to, like, you know, um, take, the, take, the, take the line in different directions. Mm-hmm. He also did stress those books, you know, and I think part of it is because he didn't have those kind of books growing up. And he talks he talked often about, you know, wanting to 
have books for his son that his son could read. And I always thought that that was a, a, a credit to him as an editor-in-chief. And he did pull for those books. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that now that he's out, he's you're out. starting to see some trimming. I don't think mm-hmm. that's a coincidence. Now, no. I, I, can't, I can't speak to that. But to keep those books around is, is economically not a good decision. But in terms of the future of the line, it's important to have those books around. Um, and it's unfortunate yeah. to see them go. Right, because the exchange is going to be more, we'll have uh, four Avengers titles a month and four X-Men or more, because you'll have Jean Grey in, in the mix and there'll be more yeah. Wolverines as he comes back. And now your money, the money coming in is going to be so centered on those big books and those events again that that's the real problem. There were real Marvel readers of, from the old days who, who sampled those oddball things. And some didn't last forever, but some turned into big things like, I don't know, the new X-Men yeah. when it came out because that book had been canceled and in reprints for years. Right. So here, diverse books that were given a shot and held on to for a while. And yes, did any of them individually really break out? Well, yeah, uh, Thor, but that's coming from a slightly different place. Again, some of these books are selling in different marketplaces. But if you add these books together, there's 100,000 sales of books here that are going away from this company that are going to be replaced by nothing. No, they're going to jump over to... If if, if they jump over to anywhere, it's going to be to another company. If, they, if, right, these, so if, they, these readers want to, if these readers want to still read comics, they're going to go find out what Kelly Thompson is writing next and follow yeah. her. That's, I go to Gem and the holograms or whatever. That's right? what's going to happen. Marvel and DC are in a really tricky spot right now, um, especially because I mean, look at our publisher list for our our best of show. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah, comics. It's no longer in those big two houses. They're doing their superhero stories, but the bottom line is we're getting better superhero stories on the on the screen. You know, uh, which is unfortunate to say. But in terms of cost and return and, 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 you know, seeing like good, like worthwhile storytelling, I just don't, I've, I've, I think Bob, you were saying like your pull list is gone in three months, you know, and mine's been trickling away too over the last few weeks. Even all the DC stuff that I grabbed in the wake of the rebirth stuff it just becomes cumbersome. It just becomes cumbersome and there's better comics being told in other places. Amen. Sad. It really it's sad. It's really sad. And you know what? Those 16 issues of Hawkeye, they'll be collected and I will love them forever. And I know that Marvel's going to do the Marvel thing where every once in a while one book's going to come around and I'm going to fall in love with it and it's going to be great. But... um I also go into that knowing that in 12 to 16 issues, it's going to be gone, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's unfortunate to yeah. say that it's unfortunate to, to say that, but we talked about it on this week's episode of the best, the, the best stuff show where it's like, you know what, these miniseries, like, tell me you're going to give me 12 issues of, of America, you know, tell me right. that that's what it's going to be. And I will buy every single issue. Right. It also lets the creators plan out. Yeah. 
but don't a get real my ending hopes and not a forced ending. Up. Yeah, don't get my yeah. hopes up saying like we're diversifying our line and Miss America Chavez is gonna be one of our new tier top tier characters and blah blah blah. And but when push comes to shove, it doesn't sell enough for you to think that it's worth keeping around. Forget that. Didn't they say something to that effect a couple of months back when they when they mentioned like that they're going to be shaking things up in the new year and whatever, that they were going to be putting some of their di- their diversity characters first and things yeah. like that, They're that they sure. value sure. these characters. And then yeah. the, the whole David shit. Gabriel fallout thing, yeah. Yeah, Ugh, so, I mean, God. like, look, it's it's basically, like, it's, it's not a surprise, but it still hurts every time it happens, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, I, I wonder what... It, the, the, so my understanding is Disney is mostly hands off. I don't Marvel. think. I don't think that in terms of character I don't think they content, would... I don't think it is. But but I'm sure there's an think economic that, right, factor. I don't think that, I don't think Disney would be on board with this. No, I don't think so. I, I, if 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 there's any kind of like corporate oversight, it's probably just bottom line stuff. Like you know, I, I, if if it is any part of it, but I don't think it is. I just don't think it is. I think also because, and this is what uh, DeCampi talks about in in the thread that I, I retweeted. It comes down to the creators then don't want to work f- for that. Yeah, you know they're not they're not fostering um, stories by storytellers for all audiences, and uh, you know it's it's just not a sustainable. A sustainable option i think because now those creators like 15 20 years ago they didn't have boom they didn't have idw i mean they did but it wasn't at the level right mm-hmm. so so right. a creator now is gonna say no i'm gonna take my ball and i'm gonna go play over with boom you know yeah. uh instead of they'll instead let, of getting dicked around yeah they'll let my book grow find an <laughs> audience do what i'm doing yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Look, a, Dylan, yeah. Fraction, Brubaker, Hickman, you know, uh, like look what happened. Kelly Sue, yeah, you know, look what happened. Got a point. Well, when I was complaining before about my pull as being down to Squirrel Girl, Moon Girl, and Captain America, and probably Doctor Strange, Melissa invited me to Image Land, which she said <laughs> is a she said is a happy place. Did I say happy? Yes, you did. Yeah. I thought so. Happy in like a Mad Max Fury Road kind of happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a lovely place. Lovely place. Okay. Um, Bob, you have uh, you have my login and everything still, right? Yes. Yeah, there's a whole ocean of image stuff okay. in there, so you might have to keep that open for uh, for yeah. all y'all after this is done. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. Relish relish our last few months with Kate and Luke and. Uh, you know, and uh, we'll see how it goes after that. Who knows? You know, maybe maybe we're just doing a little trim trim because they got they got big plans. You know, Sana Amanon's still there. You know, and 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 uh, we'll see. But um, sad day. Yeah, we shall see. Well, R.I.P. to all the books that were canceled. Tell us, Steve. Come on, give us something. Uh, well, my books. You want me to talk about my books? Yeah. What's happening here now? All right. Let's see. What do I got for you? I read Godshaper. I actually read and finished Godshaper. Hell I've been starting yes. everything over from the beginning. Dude, Godshaper is really good. That's a really good story. 
that book, Jonas Goonface, is high, high on the list of uh, people that I'm uh, grooving to this year as far as artistry is concerned. And how ridiculously energetic and empowering is that story? Incredible. It's incredible. It's like music and life and identity all rolled up into this ball of wonderful. I freaking love that book. It was amazing. You know what it is? You know what it is? Canto. It's Cantic. Cantic, man. Hell yeah. It's Cantic. <laughs> super, super good. We'll be talking about that more in January. Just a wonderful book. I highly recommend. If you haven't read God Shaper yet, definitely seek it out. It's it's just wonderful. Uh, I read the first four issues of Met Cadet U. Yay! Yes! Very, very, very cool book. Reminds me of kind of a more kid-friendly uh, Evangelion or, you know, pick your favorite giant robot anime and just kind of apply the formula. But do it with charm and do it with a especially a lead character that you could really, really, really like. I, I really, really love that little dude. And I love the team. I like where the story's going. I like that it kind of straddles that line between being very serious and and very action-packed into being very heartfelt and kind of like adorable at times i think buddy uh the robot is really really cool and it's giant robots fighting like kaiju sized space alien creatures how could you not be okay with that with with kids piloting them (laughs) yes yes It's 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 good it's one of those like you know, underdog stories where like, you know, the freshman class who isn't supposed to get involved they're they're not trained for another four years properly, but they're the only ones that can make it happen and all of that stuff. It's neat. I, I really, I really, really like it a lot. Uh, I'm glad to know that uh, we'll be talking about that as well. I caught up with Dark Arc. Dark Arc is also very, very neat, though. If I had to go back in time. I had to go back in time and talk to Steve, who was deliberating some stuff. I would have pulled for Scales and Scoundrels. Really? With Jess. Have you read that? No, I've read Dark Arc, though, which I did enjoy. It's good. Scales and Scoundrels is amazing. It's so good. It is like a tabletop adventure with just personality bursting all over the place. The characters are wonderful. The world is so cool i love books that kind of immediately establish this these giant fantasy lands but then you actually go out and you get to see them and you get to see the the varying parts and how like certain parts of them have uh you know different weather and different creatures and different dialects and all these things and it's very uh it's a very kid-friendly book which is also kind of a, a breath of fresh air dealing with like all the high fantasy stuff but dealing with it from like you know, like a PG to PG-13 kind of thing. The lead character is really brash and ridiculous and is hiding a deep, dark secret that I feel like I already know what it is. And it's really cool. And it's just, it. what's one of those books that when you read it, or at least when I read it, it put a huge smile on my face. So really kind of wish that I had read that before we had done all of our talks because I might have had a little bit more steam for it. It's It's a wonderful, wonderful book. I caught up with uh, the newest issue of Mr. Miracle. Read it. Just read it. I know it's on the list. There's somewhere. Read it. Runaways is incredible. 
newest issue was amazing. They're still doing uh, the getting the band back together, but doing it with so much attention to the to the series that came out before this and tying up loose ends while introducing new things. And just all the beats are there. Everything, everything about that book. I was a little shaky on the first issue, but everything after that has just been wonderful. So, so, so happy to have that back. It's excellent. I hope that it sticks around and it's not one of those books where we get 12 of them and then it's done because like the show hiatus or, or whatever. Uh, let's see. And by the way, the runaway show on Hulu is fantastic. I know changes are kind of hard to get used to. I'm really enjoying the changes. I'm really enjoying getting to know the, the pride and the parents and all of that stuff. There's a bunch of new twists on the story that they're doing for the show that weren't in the book. And I'm enjoying all of it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, the gift is really cool too. We've been watching that as well. Mm. Let me see. I talked about I talked about Wicked and the Divine earlier. Mm. Whoa, that book. Mm. That book. That book is just awesome. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's it for me. I have a couple other things on here, but I'm going to save them for uh, for when we come back in the new year because they deserve more uh, more chats than I have in me right now. All right. So there you go. There's your uh, there's your little conk book talk for this uh, special podcast. If anybody has any objections, uh, speak now. Forever hold your peace. Otherwise, we're gonna talk about Star Wars: The Last Jedi. <laughs> okay, so Ryan Johnson, Star Wars. It is out. People are divided. People are very divided on this movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I will, uh, I will just preface this. If you didn't hear it earlier, this is going to be a spoiler talk. We are not doing our traditional no spoilers then spoilers. So if you have not seen Star Wars: The Last Jedi, go out and go see it, and then come back and join us in our spoiler-filled chat about the movie. That was your warning. You have until three, two. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, one. All right, Star Wars The Last Jedi, I will start. I think there might be a thing or two that's off about the movie, but other than that, I positively loved it. I loved it. I really, really, I've always been a much more of a casual Star Wars fan. I really enjoy the movies. I think it's. I think they're very cool. I think they're a lot of fun. But that's kind of where it ends for me. I don't really follow the movies outside of that stuff. Like, I'll play a video game here or two, like a Lego thing or whatever, but that's about it. When The Force Awakens came out, I was really super on board. I really liked that movie a lot. And now with this new one, this new one just blew me away. I'm just going to say it flat out. It was the most exhilarating Star Wars movie that I've seen personally, and I have seen them all. I just thought it was really energetic. I thought some of the themes in it were were stupendous. I liked that it's kind of all about failure. Like everybody fails on all sides of this thing, both good and bad, and they fail epically. And I I, I do really enjoy that it, it comes all comes back around to having to learn from those failures and press on and do it again. I think that's a really valuable lesson that i think a couple of people are overlooking uh about that movie so um i mean negatives i don't know like not even negatives just questionable stuff there was a few things uh plot wise 
that I was kind of like, what? Why you? Why you got to do that? But beyond that, we have a dog in the house. No, it's outside. Sorry, Jersey oh. City is lit tonight. <laughs> I thought it was Henry. <laughs> no. no, my house is actually quiet. <laughs> Where's Henry right now? He's sleeping about a couple feet away from me. Oh. <laughs> um, That's yeah. Joey oh. over in Jersey City making all that sound. All oh, that dogs. <laughs> I don't know what's happening, man. The cops are out. Dogs are out. Like Miss Marvel's running around the rooftops. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Is your door locked? Lock your lock door, man. If we start to hear the Bad Boys theme song, <laughs> I'm just going to assume that you're getting arrested and we can end the podcast. So anyway, moving on. I uh, yeah, I, I super enjoyed it. We'll we'll, t- we'll talk about a few more things. What about Bob? Did you see it? Yep. Oh, Friday what'd you think? Friday night. I liked it. Mmm. Um, it's hesitant. Uh, it's, it's hesitant. There, are, I have some dramatic issues, some filmic issues, some historic kind of issues. There are things I liked a lot. It's sort of like the Justice League things. Things I like, things I love, the couple <gasps> I loathe. This was better than Justice League. Uh, <laughs> this was a lot better than Justice League. I don't know. Not for if me. You put, yo, if you put the like, last Jedi uh, on par with Justice League, we are done. No, I, it's a stylish film. And it has some really good <laughs> things going for it. But we are looking at, since we are completely spoiler-free, one assumes based on what we've had so far, that these three trilogies are the Skywalker family saga. Not anymore. We not only end the the line, and some of that, I guess, is because of what happened in real life with with Carrie Fisher, because the next one was supposed to be her film, but we've not only ended the life of one of the characters, at least his corporal existence, but as a character, you've taken Luke Skywalker into a place that didn't seem like the place he would have gone to based on where we went through the other pictures, which is why Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson apparently had quite a few heated discussions about the character of Luke Skywalker and what he would or wouldn't have done which doesn't include trying to murder one of his students, I'm Mm. saying, no matter what he did. This is a guy who found good in Darth Vader, and he was willing to slice the head off of Kylo Ren, which he kind of deserves. He changed his mind at the last second. Come on. Yeah, okay. Kylo Ren, Mr. Adam Driver may be a fine actor. Maybe he's put in good performances elsewhere. He's all right. He's all right. Let's let's not oversell Adam Driver here. I don't know his work from anything from Adam. <laughs> but ah. here, here, all I want to do is reach for the screen and slap him. <laughs> it is annoying beyond belief. I don't see anything to either admire, fear, high to. I get nothing except this guy is a whiny brat. Oh, and come so- on. Someone should just slap him silly. Come on, from the man who's saying that you haven't had enough Luke Skywalker and you're complaining about Kylo Ren being too whiny? Yep, completely. Luke whines, uh, looks like I'm going nowhere. Luke Skywalker basically saves 
the universe at a certain point. Kylo Ren couldn't save a, a screensaver. <laughs> he just wants to watch the world burn. Uh, I, 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 He's not trying to I, save anything. <laughs> I get, I, but I get, I get just get, I don't get menace. I don't get evil. I don't get good. I don't get anything except he's petulant. Sometimes they're the worst, though. Uh, that's Sometimes not enough. To, children it's, not, it's not enough to carry me through a movie that is 25 to 30 minutes too long. With mm-hmm. too, too many MacGuffins, we have subplot after subplot that kind of don't really go anywhere, except one of them. One of them actually turns out to be the thing that gets everybody killed, Finn and Rose. Though we mm. have to create a second romance, because I guess we have to separate Finn and Ray. We get the whole Ray revelation, which we'll get to as a group, I'm sure, which is annoying, which may or may not be true, considering the source. Um, we get an introduction to a great character, Lord Den's general, how we pronounce it, Haloda? Hold Somewhere in there. Hold, Hold on. I'm close. She she makes a sacrifice in a wonderful moment that couldn't she have said to R2, why don't you pilot this ship and fly it through the front of this other Yeah, thing? and I was I was talking to Bronwyn. This was one of the things I was going to bring up. Bronwyn actually uh, mentioned it to me that she thought Little it was pilot. odd. Well, no, 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 not that part. But like we, uh, she mentioned to me, like, wasn't it odd that Haldo didn't, like, she kept Poe Dameron out of the loop. And she, she she didn't tell him the plan. There was no reason to not tell yes, him there is because what the plan there was. Is. The second he yeah. finds out, he fucking blabs it on the internet. Completely disagree. Completely disagree. He, he blabs it Completely everywhere. Completely disagree with he, She knew that he was this hot-headed punk who wants to be at the center yeah. of everyone's attention. So that's why she didn't yeah. tell him. Now, I will say that there's a giant planet to your right. Let's put the pieces together. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that moments before he was demoted for his bad behavior. Right. <laughs> like, uh, why she would she tell him anything? Look, it's not her. She's not her job to tell him what the hell is going oh, on. It's his job to pay attention he and listen. Wants to be a center of attention. Look, my 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 qualms with the film. You know, um, I wouldn't put it on Justice League level, um, but I don't. I I am surprised by the kind of you know articles that I'm seeing that are like. Empire or Last Jedi, which is the best? And I'm just yeah. like, that seems like a lot. Um, I look, I saw it twice um, because the first time I saw it, a lot of the things that Bob's talking about um, in terms of the film itself, the construction of the film bothered me and I think took me out of it um, from enjoying it. Mostly dealing with structure of the film. Um, I like the notion of The Last Jedi as a chase movie. You know the 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 rebel the rebel f- um, ship kind of having to flee the the um, the first order star destroyers and and like you know how do we get out of this situation? I think the way that the film builds tension is very good, um, but that tension didn't go anywhere for me because it felt like Ryan Johnson was more interested in taking us in a different direction and doing those misdirections and, and giving us those MacGuffins and kind of like flipping and flopping and, and doing it and doing it. Um, 
more interested in kind of and like doing it well and doing it well um then then then, <laughs> then committing page, page, then committing bro. to uh, a a kind of narrative logic um right, we, line, we build we build to certain moments and then it's almost like every time they're like nope we're gonna pull the rug and do something else and it just happens like literally every time a moment is built to that it, it gets to the point where i'm like i don't really know what i'm supposed to believe with this film um that isn't to say the subversion of all the Star Wars mythos things, like the treatment of Skywalker, the Ray reveal, um, the the all of those things. I'm actually all in for. Like I love when when film franchises subvert tropes. Like Iron Man three is one of my top favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe films, and I know that that's not a popular opinion either. But I love that it subverts the tropes. It subverts the expectations in a way, though, that that in terms of a film is executed well. And I just didn't feel like Last Jedi as a film was executed well enough for me to buy those subversions um, the first time. And it took me out of watching the movie uh, in a lot of ways. And just there's a, there, there are logic things that just make no sense. Like the, the final... The, the, the final act, right? Like the, some of the choices that are made just don't make sense. Second viewing, because I, I, I went into the weekend like thinking about it. My brother and I literally, when the first we watched the movie and at the end we were like, that wasn't that good. Um, and then, you know, I thought about it over the weekend and I said Monday, I was like, I'm going to see it again. I want to see it again and we'll see how it goes. So I went and saw it again and I did enjoy it a little bit more. And I think part of it is because, Steve, like you're saying, this theme of failure really rang, rang out more for me the second time. Um, once I kind of sidelined the movie's failings as a movie, I was able to kind of focus on the characters' failings as characters. Um, and uh, that really clicked for me because then I kind of understood what the film was doing in the overall uh narrative of star wars the all nine episodes right and if anything episode eight operates almost like this narrative reset in a way and episode nine is going to be more of a parallel to the original episode for a new hope star wars whatever you want to call it um then anything else previous right i feel like what you're going to see going into episode nine is a complete kind of first of all i think you're going to see a time jump i think you're going to see five six seven maybe even ten years between uh the events of episode eight and episode nine as we're starting to rebuild this rebellion that might be an exaggeration in terms of the length of time but i think you're going to see a time jump um and i think you're going to see you know look we failed we failed we failed we failed now we have to rebuild and i think that that is something very exciting going forward my issues with last jedi weren't any of the choices made in terms of the mythos i'm actually very much in all in for all of it the snoke stuff love that i, I thought that was such a cool moment but I think it's a perfect example of what I'm talking about in terms of the, the narrative build of the film, right? You have that great moment with the Snoke and Kylo and Rey and that betrayal. And you have this awesome fight scene where the good and the bad are teaming up. And you have this speech from Kylo where he basically says, we need to 
to to we need to recognize that the past and these divisions and these parties that you know we used to like be beholden to are all just fake and meaningless and we need to build something new and i thought that that was an empowering moment but instead of committing to that logic um they just put ray on the falcon and have her save the day and and and, and commit to i am the next jedi we are going to be good again you know and and i just felt like if they were going to commit to that logic that would have been very very exciting but it didn't it didn't go um it didn't go as far as i think it 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 needed to go to make the twists and turns make sense to me as an as a story um so that's why i'm a little bit hesitant to say like last jedi is so amazing because like it just there's it just didn't never settled for me it never clicked as an entire film for me um i love the characters and i love the franchise but to say that last jedi is like this incredible film i just it never it never was that for me if that makes sense um i just want to say like before i go into all my thoughts about this like directly uh address what you just said joey that scene for me was the most exciting moment of the film um and i think i i actually like audibly made a sound because i was so excited in that moment i love it like yeah but um and i remember feeling a little bit disappointed when that moment ended to realize that like there was going to be not really a follow-through on that logic but i also realized immediately after that that this is star wars and i don't know that i don't know that expecting more than kind of like a battle of good versus evil is really appropriate in this universe. But like there's a, the idea. there's a lot of lovely complexities going on here, but I don't think I, I don't, I don't know that expecting that like a complete overhaul of what this universe is about, which at its base, which is essentially good versus evil well, is, the, I think that's a little too much the, to the expect. The entire narrative of the film though, suggests that the way that Luke Skywalker dismisses uh, Ray and the lightsaber, the way that Kylo Ren and Ray are connecting over the course of the film, the, the Benicio so. del Toro moment on the freaking plane when he's like, Oh look, they were setting the weapons to the good guys <laughs> and the bad guys. Everything about the movie builds to that moment. And instead of committing to that moment, they go to let's have our inverted Hoth battle with the AT-ATs and the salt and the crystal demons and the crystal demons, the crystal wolves, excuse me. And Ray. Because it's freaking Star Wars. I understand that. I understand that. I absolutely understand that. They're trying to have it both ways. They're trying to have it both ways. And and what what that does is it builds up a narrative tension and it builds up a narrative arc. And then instead of committing it, it, it falls back onto it. And in that sense, I like I just couldn't get behind it. Um, the word for me oh, isn't Joey, the, wor- the word for me you. isn't the word for me isn't that like <laughs> I hated the movie or that like I didn't I didn't like it or whatever. It was just more of a sense of dissatisfaction with the with the film. And that doesn't mean I didn't like it. Like it just means that there were some things that I just wasn't satisfied with in terms of like it working as a movie. I still freaking love Star Wars. <laughs> like I, that's that's not not true anymore. I'm not one of these people that's like protest this film like that's, i don't understand that i don't understand that logic and the people that are criticizing the movie because like of what it does to certain characters and da, 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 and like whatever like they're going to tell the story that they're going to tell but if i'm looking at it like a film and a film that builds to a climax it just it never got to a moment that like i was like yes you know like every time i got to like they took it away from me you know and it just never really landed um for me <clears throat> 
when they were, I was going to say, Joey, when Force Awakens was out, and the, the complaint was it was too much like Star Wars A New Hope. But in, in a sense, the series needed to retrench in mm-hmm. why people loved it and then brought you new characters that you cared about in that hopeful feeling of, yes, there's still a battle to be fought and it could be harrowing, but here we go. And this, I, it just kind of felt like a downer. I got to the end, and even if, if we're the Empire comparisons, which people want to make uh, valid, apt, or not, as badly as some of the things turned out in the end of that, you walked out of the theater in 1980, as I did, and went, oh, come on, George. And and Erwin and Kirshner, who directed that, it still, you felt good moving forward. And this, I just felt sort of, eh. Hmm. I don't know. Melissa, go for it. Is it my turn? turn? Yeah. Your turn. I have a lot to say about this. <laughs> I thought you might. I'm biting my lips over here. Um, I, so just to, just to put this out there, like, I never thought I'd find myself in this position of defending Star Wars. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> the only home video I remember having of my family was recorded at the beginning of a VHS tape before New Hope. Like that's how much Star Wars was a part of my home life, but I was never a Star Wars fan ever um, until a Force Awakens. So I'm a new Star Wars fan. I'm a Trekkie at heart, um, and here I am defending Star Wars. So this is kind of <laughs> screwy. Um, I I absolutely love this film. I think it it made me feel. Um, all the same kind of emotions that um, A Force Awakens did. Um, and I think that's because Star Wars is finally giving me something new. Um, it's it has, uh, it has dealt with a lot of the flaws that made the original Star Wars films not appealing to me. Um, but I think I feel like a lot of the criticism of this film is just like I look at this and I just think to myself like, this is what Star Wars has always been. And I don't understand why, because it's doing something, I get it, like it's doing something new, but I think that's more about appealing to a new a new audience and trying to keep Star Wars alive for new people rather than like Star Wars is going to be a completely new, fresh thing. And we're going to, we're going to take this like, I mean, it's Harry Potter in space. It's magic, <laughs> you know, it's fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like it's not meant to be this complex, um, opera of you know like i don't i think i think it's expecting too much from star wars from this universe to suddenly say like they're gonna you know good and evil are gonna start working together side by side even though like i said i like i was so excited i said yes in the middle of the movie when i saw ray and kylo ren stand next to each other and decide to fight together i thought that was so fucking exciting but it's not it's not what this universe is is about and like i don't know where that like where would you take a story like star wars from there like where i mean it becomes a story about actually coming together and redemption and and connection but cross recognizing that's happening either side of the aisle is not where you need to be you need to be in the middle and you need to communicate and reach out the part of the reason why the star the the whole universe has fallen apart is because the jedi and the sith and the so everybody becomes friends and they work together so then what what is star wars Why would they war anymore? Exactly. Like, Isn't that the point to try to find peace in the universe? You can't find peace if everybody's fighting yeah, all the time. In life, in life, <laughs> not in a fantasy epic. Like, <laughs> I don't. I just don't like. I don't know. I, I thought. I thought there was so much fantastic about this, and the things that um, I love that I love the idea of setting up this um, 
this idea of a new generation coming in. Um, I see a lot of people kind of complaining about the ending of this film. To me, the ending is the ending in my brain is that little boy standing there with the broom in his hand. And I was like, this is fantastic. Like oh, they're yeah. telling us that like there's a new generation growing out of these out of this place, you know, and like and and the hope's not dying. It's just being reborn in new people. Um, and I love the I love the concept of the, you know, it's it, which which I think Joey kind of plays to what you're asking for here. Right. Is this whole concept of like instead of fighting the things you hate, you protect the things that you love. You save the things that you love. Like <laughs> what they're saying is like do it different. Like let's try to find a different way to win yeah. this war. But it's still a war. And it's still like you're not going to have like the good guys and the bad guys holding hands all the time and coming together. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love, like, this is what I'm saying. Like, that subversion and those ideas, I loved it. I loved it. I love the promise of what episode nine can be about. I think that, like, like you're talking about with the ending and the introduction, like, getting burning down the past, I am all in for that. Give me the ladies. Give me the ladies running the universe. Give me Rose. <laughs> give me all, like, I am all in. I am one of Rose was awesome, by the way. I do she wish that Rose and Paige weren't sisters. I do wish that they had been, like, like lovers. I would have totally been all in for that. But, like, when they were sisters, I was like, okay, I'll take it. Um, but, uh, the, like, I am all in for everything. My issues aren't with where the Star Wars mythos is. Like, that's not me. Like, I'm not saying, like, this movie sucks because it's not my Star Wars. Like, I don't understand that criticism. And I never understand that criticism. It's the same thing with all the Marvel movies, right? Like, I, I, it's like, if you make a good movie, I will be in for it. I just did not feel like the, the first time, a little bit less the second time, but still there. There were just some flaws about the film as a film that just kind of took me out of it. Um... And, and just didn't land for me. Um, sure. Which, which again. Sure, but have you ever seen a Star Wars film that didn't have flaws? Have you ever seen you a Star Wars it? film? Like, oh, I've never oh, well, okay. Every um, Star Wars film I've ever seen has had flaws that took me out of it. Sure, absolutely. But but I think that then to have me sit there for then, like, as, as Bob said, like, two hours and 35 minutes, like, to, to, to put me through this. And, and I think the, 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 the thing that really... Um, I find myself now being dissatisfied with films that are like almost there. <laughs> like they, it's like, like, like that moment is so good, but then they walk it back. And I always think like they're walking it back because it's the safe choice or like that kind of thing. And it's just, <clears throat> I, it's just that, that feeling of dissatisfaction is where I'm at. Look, I liked it. Listen. It's, it's a good movie. I liked it. I'm not, I'm not the kind of had, person that hates it. And I, and that is a lot, but, um, no, I don't think that you are. The, I don't think you are. It's not the greatest star Wars movie in my mind. Like, um, I've had, I loved rogue one. I love force awakens too. I love empire. I love the original one too. Like, um, like those are the ones for me that, that work. Um, and I just felt like last Jedi, uh, isn't on that level. It's like middle tier for me. If not, a, a just like towards that bottom, you know, not the prequels, like, like yeah. but, but it's just middle tier for me. And to see people kind of like vaunting it, like as highly as they are, like, I get it. I understand that. But it just felt like you're, it's like we're, people are trying to put you on either side. It's like either you're freaking to love it or like, you're like, you hate it. And I'm like, no, I'm kind I'm, of in the middle and I hope that's okay. 
No, I'm totally not trying to do that. And I think at the heart of this, I think at the at the heart of this um, argument that's happening right now out there in, in Star Wars land is is an emotional response to expectations is what it really is. I think Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of people went into this movie, whether it was because of leaks or, you know, fan fiction, went into this movie with tons of expectations of what they thought was going to be given to them. And a lot of people were let down because whatever it is that they wanted didn't happen. Um, and I didn't read any, I didn't read any leaks about this movie. I barely watched trailers. I watched trailers maybe twice. Um, I just, you know, I thought I'm either going to like it or I'm not going to like it. I'm just not as, I'm not enough of a star Wars fan to like get into all that stuff. But I, I don't know. Like, I feel like everybody, everybody has these ideas going into it. Um, I had a lot of discussions about this with my husband over the last couple of days, cause he's a lifelong star Wars fan. <laughs> And, you know, and we come from very different places on this. But even he said, you know, there was a lot of ideas of things that he thought might happen because of stuff that came out ahead of time that didn't happen. Um, my biggest expectation, I think, going into it, that it was going to be some kind of like big dramatic send off for Carrie Fisher, which didn't really happen. Um, and that was a little bit surprising with the the level of uh, fandom on this for her. Um I don't know what I don't know what the hell they're gonna do on the next episode or how they're gonna write her off of this. Time jump. Time jump. I I don't know, but like that's what kind of what I expected. But that there was it was gonna be kind of like a fan service, like you know, this is how we say goodbye to Princess Leia, um, and that didn't the, happen. Not a quick thing to have done, honestly. I I don't think it would have been so hard to manipulate. Was to change out. Laura Dern's character and her sacrifice, and make that having been Leia doing that. There were multiple. Uh, there are multiple opportunities I, here. My I'm my cool least. With it. I was like, let her have her movie. You know. My I, my least favorite moment in this was actually uh, General Organa floating herself back to the ship with the Force. Like that was my least favorite moment. Yo, in this I cannot film. believe that you tweeted that out the other day. Well, I'm sorry, but I thought it was ridiculous. It was <laughs> ridiculous or not. Ridiculous. For somebody that's so vigilant about spoilers, and then I saw that coming from you, I was shocked. Well, because it's a it's a it's a garbage moment in the film. It, I yeah. mean, yeah, it's not like and it's not like it doesn't say really anything about where she is or isn't. I mean, that's just she's still there, you know, like that's I don't know. Like there was there was no real progress for the character that I expected for the considering the fact that she can't come back. You know, yeah. <laughs> like I mm-hmm. thought that there was going to be more progress for that. Um, I I I actually really enjoyed the fact that Luke. Um, I enjoyed the fact that Luke wasn't actually there for the fight. I was nervous about seeing old man Luke um, hold up a lightsaber battle with these new kids. Um, lightsaber battles have changed drastically since Luke was doing lightsabers. Um, and, you know, I didn't want to see that. I didn't want to see that kind of like, we can make this old man look like these guys do, you know, and do the same his, thing. Uh, his, his Chuck Norris, like, dye job on his beard and his hair when he came back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you know I, did, I didn't catch on at all. Like, I was totally clueless until the last moment yeah. that he wasn't actually there. I well, totally didn't catch I on. Thought, I was like, I was like, I was like, this, this mother effer had the time <laughs> To give himself Dude, a little beard trim and a little just I'm a hairstylist, and I didn't notice the new haircut. <laughs> before saving the universe, he did that just for men brush in his beard before he came out to save the universe. <laughs> no, he wasn't there. for just, projection. I'll just wrap it up by saying, you know, some of my favorite things were, um, I loved all of the new character development for Poe. I think Poe is, like, a character that everybody loves so much. Um, nope. 
Okay, whatever, Steve. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> um, I, I love Poe, and I love to see more development for him and to learn more about him. Um, I'm totally fine with Rose um, falling for Finn no. and the kiss. I have no yeah. opposition to that whatsoever. I think that's totally natural for that kind of situation. She uh, obviously she made it very clear from the beginning she was infatuated oh, with for him. Her, for her, yes. Uh, yeah. I thought you meant for like yeah, the two yeah, of them for together her. going forward. No, no, no. I mean, I think it's totally natural for her. Like, yes, you know, yes, she was infatuated with him, and then they went through a traumatic experience together. I would want to give somebody a kiss, too, if I was <laughs> in that situation. Um, and, and, and I think, um, I think I loved seeing, I love seeing the humor in this film. I have to say, like, I think with the lack of Han Solo, who personally, for me, is the one character that I would have held on to from the old films, you know, but, um, I think with him not not being there anymore, they needed to fill in that comic relief somewhere. And I think this film did a great job of that. Mm. And and I really had fun. Um, the only time that I was taken out a little bit was I felt like the like the jokes from Luke felt a little, little unnatural and kind of stilted. But um, but everything else, I had a great great time. And I thought it was fun to like bring back Maz. Like there were so many little moments in this that were just like that just made me feel super excited again about Star Wars and. You know, I, I Rogue One's been my favorite Star Wars film so far, oh, and this you. one is, this one's pretty. It's pretty close for me. Like it's a, it's a pretty close run. I have to say, um, it, I found Ray way more <laughs> exciting in this one than I did in in Force Awakens, and I was so excited about her in Force Awakens that I decided to call myself a Star Wars fan. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm yeah, with you, man. <laughs> a house divided. That is what we are. <laughs> Rogue One is your favorite Star Wars movie? It still is. I really like Rogue One. The more I watch Rogue One, like, I I cry at Rogue One. And other than Rey catching the lightsaber in Force Awakens, pulling it out of the snow, spoilers, um, (laughs) other than that moment, I did not cry at any other Star Wars film except for Rogue One. Hmm. Rogue One makes me cry. Like, the way that that movie... Like, that movie talks about rebellion and heroism and 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 tenacity and follows through on it. Last Jedi has a lot of the same conversations but doesn't always follow through on it. And, and that, that, yeah. that, I think, is, is part of, part of it, too. <laughs> doesn't always... I like also, I, I like Rogue One, but I have some issues with Rogue. I have some issues with the characters from Rogue One. I but, also really love the scene of the uh, the casino, which I know a lot oh, of people have no, have no, problems no, with. No, it. Yeah, I love that. When Finn says, I, I love it. When Finn says, "Like, oh man, it was worth it smashing all those that town." I was like, "Motherfucker!" Like the 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 rebellion is about to get killed by the star destroyer, and you're like, "Thank God I was able to smash those Cadillacs!" Like. No, bro. You gotta get that master code breaker and get the hell out of there. That's because I I thought it was really fun to see like an like an insight to the to the other side of this universe. You know, like hey, here's all these rich people like enjoying the big life, and I love the moment of seeing like Rose. She hands him the the binoculars. She's like, take a closer look. You know, like this is slavery. This is animal abuse. Like there's horrible things going on under the surface here. I love and it's. It's like a part of like Finn's education. It's like this is this is you know Finn's education in the world outside of being a stormtrooper. Like, 
guess what? You know, armed uh, weapons are being sold to both sides from the same people. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Kids are in slavery <laughs> to run these casinos. You know, um, it was kind of painful to watch Finn go through all of that, I think. Sure, but it, yeah. he also needed it as a character. He needed some he needed some weight to his character. I loved all of the things that you're talking about with that casino planet. It just cut the chase element of the film for me. Like it just felt like yeah. a depart a departure from the actual like what 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 the f- film was building towards for me. But that's what I'm saying. Like that's a great scene and a great sequence on its own. But in the body of the film, it was a it felt more like a distraction, especially given the ultimate resolution to it. Right, and even so, Joey, it, in that strong moment within that sequence that's in service to chasing after a MacGuffin that turns out to be of no use or value because it all falls apart anyway, taking those moments and inserting them somewhere else within the narrative, still have that moment without all the extraneous stuff hanging around it like barnacles. Just... I wanted to know more about what was under the water and that, like... Yeah, that little dragon thing that was in there. Death thing that was down there with the skulls and everything. Like, I want to know more about what what that that confused the hell out of me. I don't know what that whole mirror thing was that she went through in there. I just wanted to know what was in that black hole. That's Dagobah. That's a Dagobah Darth Vader fight from Empire. You know, like it's another. It's like a parallel to that. But like again, I'm with you. Like it's it's all these like cool little moments, and it just the things just never clicked for me. Um, I feel like. I'll probably watch it at least one more time. Not in the cinemas. I think I've had enough for a while. But I will watch it one more time after, like, I've had time to percolate on it. And, like, I think that, like I said, I think it's going to operate as this nice little reboot linchpin in the nine films. Looking at Mm -hmm. it. Like, you have the Skywalker arc. But then this, I think what episode eight does is it burns it all down. And it burns it all down and shows that that like that that burning it all down comes from failures and falling apart and and missed opportunities and 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 making bad choices. And I think what you're going to get with episode nine is like a new new hope. <laughs> you know, like I think that's what you're going to get, and I'm very excited for that. Um, I and I, I think uh, the fact that nobody can decide whether or not they love this or hate this is a is a great factor that says that this was actually a well thought out film in in the overarching series i think i think yeah um i just wish that like like technically different like not different but like uh, better cleaner choices have been made um that's that's my wish not that like i wish that ray was the son of obi-wan kenobi and i wish i knew who (laughs) snoke was like i don't like i don't need those things I'm totally I like the fine. idea that she can, that she supposedly comes from nothing. Absolutely, like, just like, like the I, Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, like the the idea that that there is no special story to her and that she made so she made something of herself and made such an impact anyway. I think is a good message for I people. I think that's amazing. I think that's so good, um, and that's why I'm like I'm excited to see where Nine then takes that. You know, in terms of how it was executed in this film, like, yeah, that dark cave with the barnacles and the mirror thing. I was like, what the hell is happening? And then that final yeah. reveal was like, oh, I guess that's cool. Like how we got to that moment. I'm like, I don't know if I'm with you, but like where we're going to go from it, I'm all in for, you know. Um, so like in that sense, Last Jedi, like I said, middle of the pack for me. I think it does what it does. 
Um, my concerns for it aren't like mythological; it's technical. Um, so take that for what you will. Can we can we all at least agree that we love the Porgs and Chewy? <laughs> I was not opposed to them as I think people like originally thought that everyone was going to be like fuck the Porgs Disney like Disney's just trying to sell <laughs> penguin toys you know like I no. had no interest in those <laughs> things going in but I kind of fall I kind of fell in love with them I they're, love those they're cute they're cute I didn't think I mean Chewie was fun but he barely had anything to do I I, I can I can scarcely remember him even being in the movie I just he, like seeing I just like seeing him happy I mean, he did Chewie, not look happy when it came Chewie's to the porks. always so unhappy. I mean, he was having a good time with the porks. Come on. I don't, I don't know. know. He seemed pretty aggravated with them. Yeah. But he but he was letting them ride around in the Millennium Falcon. Melissa, as we've already decided with your view of dystopian image as happy, <laughs> your, your definition <laughs> of Chewie's happiness might be a little different. <laughs> the last time we saw Chewie, he was crying over the death of Han Solo. So. Oh. To see him hanging out in the Falcon with a couple of cute little bird things, like to me, that's happy. Like hamster <laughs> penguins, get it right. Whatever they puffins, are, they're adorable. <laughs> and and as a vegetarian, I thought the scene of watching them making him feel guilty about eating them was hilarious. He I'm totally sorry. ate it though off screen. Just yes. <laughs> okay okay all right i'm calling this thing are we okay are we all right with uh see it. moving on see from star wars i see last jedi at least twice I think bob what bob has uh go ahead joey i said just see last jedi at least twice i think everybody needs to whether you whether you, yeah. you love it or you're on the fence just see it at least twice um and i think you'll be okay that's what i'll say all right admiral holdo takes hair in star wars to the next level Thank you, Admiral Holdo, for that. Yeah, I, I, when uh, her character was first introduced, I got to write about it. I was drooling over the hair. The hair I was like, I don't know who this lady is that just showed up, but she's got great hair. <laughs> I, I do wish Laura Dern's line readings were a little better, but but that moment it was great. The lightspeed moment, probably one of my favorite moments in all of cinema. <laughs> and Bob, how about how about you? You have any uh, any final thoughts? That's okay. <laughs> it's Justice League level. It's Justice League. Yeah, I, I didn't again. Didn't hate it. I, as with Joey, there are I think there are dramatic problems as it's structured. We've got a, to me, a sort of bloated second act that goes into four or five different places in the same way Guardians <laughs> Two did. And I don't know that for me it ever quite recovered from that. Even though there are some good moments after. Yeah. Maybe I do have to see this again in the in the you know a, maybe a child's matinee or something. Yeah, you know different different audience. No, they... don't. Oh my god, don't even get me started about the kid that I sat next to during this movie. Okay. Holy shit. Oh no, you don't no, even know. I, I, I just want all the energy in the room instead of a bunch of jaded grown-ups at a ten o'clock show. Maybe. Mm. Maybe okay. that'll work, but so long as they know the difference between uh, regular voice and theater voice, this kid just screaming to his father every chance that he had and like making air guns with the with the the cruisers and shit and just oh he was he was the worst for about a half hour and then he seemed to calm down a little bit but my god if you ever want to come to the movies with us we actually went with max so we yeah we couldn't find a babysitter so we had to give in and do a family day for this (laughs) how was he in the theater He's he's pretty great in the theater actually. He sits through it, but he does get excited about things. And every now and then he'll he'll say something. He doesn't shout, but he'll say something at like full voice, you know. Do you shush like, him? Room voice. <laughs> yeah, I tell. Yeah, oh yeah. It was like no, whisper, whisper. But every now and then he'll go, Mom, 
the, Kylo Ren's going to fight with her. And, you know, he just shouts oh, something out. It's like he just gets really excited. I have to share That's something cool. with you guys. I think Joey will appreciate. I know you're trying to wrap this up. Um, Bad Father Han Solo just tweeted to uh, emo Kylo Ren. <gasps> you are the Jar Jar Binks of the Solo family. Oh, no. <laughs> That's just me. Emo Kylo Ren is so like my favorite. Harsh. <laughs> so harsh. So <laughs> harsh. Uh, all right. Uh, all also, right. Before, before we before we disappear, you have something else to share. You have thoughts from one of our favorite talking comics contributors. True. Oh yeah. Um, if you guys wanted to, Carolyn. Um, I feel bad. Carolyn's been trying so hard to get me to see this movie with her, but both times it didn't work out. She saw it twice. Um, she wanted to share with everybody. She said, um, "I would say I really feel the weight of this movie, and I can't stop thinking about it." There were a few things I didn't like, but so many that I liked a lot. It wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what I thought I wanted, but I thought it was great, especially after a second viewing. And she says that her and Mara will be doing their uh, Talking Comics present soon, where they go over all of their Star Wars stuff for the year. So sweet. You'll have more thorough review from her there. Yeah, it's a two view movie, I think. You got to see it twice. I've only Uh seen it once so far. I need to see it again. Maybe if you see it again, you'll be like, you know what? I didn't like it as much. <laughs> there are a lot of movies. Hell no. <laughs> disaster Artist is out. Oh, Coco, is so I haven't good. seen yet. Uh, what else is out? Oh, The Shape of Water. Shape of so Water good. is out there somewhere. So no, it's not playing anywhere near here. I would have gone to it already. You gotta go to NYC. Oh, you're in Canada. I was about to say, just go to the, go to the city, Steve. Steve, it's no. not playing anywhere near us anymore either. Yeah, no, it hasn't. It hasn't been since it came out. I don't know where. Neither with the Disaster Artist either. Both of those movies are, are nowhere to be found. Uh, they're playing so, Shape of Water as a New Year's Eve special edition at the Cinema Art Center. <laughs> well, we're going. Uh, we're leaving for Ottawa on uh, Friday or whatever. So maybe uh, maybe we could find it in a theater out there. I don't know. Uh, okay, so this went on a little bit longer than I anticipated, but it was fun. And I'm glad that we did it, and I'm glad that we were able to all hang out on this uh, very special edition of the Talking Comics podcast. I guess this is coming out on Christmas in a couple of days, so... Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm doing it. I'm doing it tonight, Thursday. Happy Winter Solstice, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the we'll, day of the year. Will the third issue of... Uh, the deliberations be out before this or no? No, it's going to be out next week. Okay. This is a little treat. This is a little treat between the two episodes. No. Okay. No, I'm not bringing them out. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's going to that's gonna do it for this very special edition of the Talking Comics podcast. As always, you can send us your thoughts and comments and questions through our email podcast, talkingcomicbooks.com. Ah, we are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. Don't forget to check out TalkingComicBooks.com for news, reviews, articles about comics, video games, TV shows, and much, much more. We also have podcasts of every flavor under the sun. We are the Baskin Robbins of podcasts. (laughs) Talking movies, talking games, talking Valiant, D&D Adventure, Band Assembled, probably a few others that I forgot about. Bob. Where can our listeners find um, you? I am always at Bob Breyer at TalkingComicBooks.com. And Joey. At Joey Wachino. Melissa. At Lissa Punch and on Sirens of Scream podcast. I can be found under the mistletoe with my lovely wife, Bronwyn. Okay. 
Okay, nice warm and fuzzy for you. All right, everybody. Uh, so for Bob. Happy holidays, Captain Phasma. And Joey. <laughs> That's amazing. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Melissa. Live long and prosper. Nice. And I've been Steve. Happy holidays. Be excellent to each other. Stay safe. And we will catch you real soon on the Talking Comics podcast to be continued.